The Heat are enjoying their all-star break, but there are still things happening with your favorite team. So we break down my takeaways from a cold weekend in Indianapolis, Bam and Abayo's three-point shooting, and we discuss the addition of DeLon Wright as Miami makes a push in the Eastern Conference standings. All that and more on today's episode of Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked on Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg, editor at allyoucanheat.com. Joining me as always, longtime NBA reporter and all-star weekend attendee, David Ramil. However you're tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app, thanks so much for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. We will get to Bam Adebayo taking threes and the Heat signing DeLon Wright in a bit. But David, you were in Indianapolis for All-Star Weekend. A lot has been made about how the event has been ruined. What did you make of everything while you were there? I've learned not to take it that seriously. And I think we're starting to see everybody kind of turn on these things because I think the NBA media landscape in general has done a pretty bad job of supporting its project uh, products. You know, I, I don't like the comparison to the NFL as some people have made and the way they talk about games and the way broadcast partners talk about the leagues and things of that sort. But at the same time, just, you know, listening to Kenny Smith kind of dump all over, you know, Sabrina Ionescu and her performance against Steph Curry, and then to hear Charles Barkley talk about like host cities, you know, the coldness of uh, Indianapolis versus the homeless population, the dehumanizing homeless population uh, of uh, uh, in San Francisco, and things of that sort, and that just again the the overall events, like the All Star Game and all of the events are not supposed to be for us, NBA media. We have soured on how we interpret these kinds of things because we watch hundreds of basketball games a year. Mm -hmm. And as such, the excitement of seeing Giannis Antetokounmpo and Bam Adebayo and LeBron James and Luka Doncic sharing a court is lost on us because we see these guys in locker rooms. We see them in practices. We see them in games. Like We see Bam 82 times a year. So it's like... For us, it's not that exciting, but for some kid who has never seen these things, or for even an older fan who maybe doesn't get a chance to watch as much basketball as us, they're going to enjoy this process. So for us to constantly go, this game sucks, or this contest, or this competition sucks, it diminishes everything. And so I have a hard time kind of accepting of that. And and so I'm just not a big fan of how we've talked about the all-star weekend and everything it entails because i think it's still entertainment and it's still fun but i will say expecting competition is ludicrous like these games have never been ludicrous and i had made this point on lockdown nba yesterday with my co-host matt moore when he was talking about oh in the 80s and 90s it was competitive it's like no matt you're just 30 years older and you've seen these games 30 more times and you're more mature and you're older and so you've kind of seen this all before Michael Jordan wasn't trying to kill anybody as psychopathic as he and Kobe Bryant who followed him were in terms of their competitive spirit. Like it's really not all that competitive, nor should it be anymore. Like these players interact with each other all the time. There's social media. They're friendly towards one another. It's a different game. These are different people. Those expectations should be tempered. Uh, And that's just my two cents about it. I I just think it's still entertainment. Anthony Edwards is right. Anthony Edwards was the only one. There was so much that came out of everything People saying, oh, I wish it was more competitive. People are showing like old Larry Bird comments like, I just wish these guys would compete. And it's like, I like it's I don't care. And I'm with you, man. I I really don't care. Anthony Edwards was the only one who said anything honest was 
it's the all-star break. We're right. all-stars. It's our break. Right. And, I, and I'm paraphrasing right. here, but he's right. absolutely right. He's like, nobody wants to compete out there. Now, and, I understand from the fan perspective, 200 points by one of these teams is ridiculous. It's not a even real basketball game. And so I get if you're a fan and you would love to watch somebody compete, and maybe you are somebody who maybe rightly or wrongly sort of thinks nostalgically, hey, this is what it used to be. Kobe Bryant would never. Michael Jordan would never. Larry Bird would never. And so I understand from the fan perspective a hunger for the greatest pickup game ever. It's just not going to happen. We can we can wish and want and all these things. It ain't going to happen. And the reason why is because exactly what Anthony Edwards says. I know he got crushed for it, but he was the only one saying anything honest at the same time. The idea of paying players, though, I think is, is a dangerous one. And I will also piggyback on what Edwards says about the break. Like, I, for the casual fan or a fan who's just not familiar, because I, I don't mean that derogatorily. I just it, you cannot be aware of what happens over the course of that weekend, even as a fan who might be super invested in the game and loves the game. Like these players are doing a lot of stuff. It's not media interactions. It's attending the starry. Yeah, yeah. No, it's more. Know, this, line, is a, lemon this is line, a corporate. It's this. a corporate convention for these guys more than it's anything to do with so anything basketball related. On the like they, they they get in there. Like there was a game being played Thursday night, and then you know, let's say Giannis. He was not going to do media availability on Saturday because, one, the weather, and then, two, again, he was being whisked away to all these different events. I don't know if I can make it kind Didn't of LeBron stuff. do the same thing? LeBron pushed yeah. it the Sunday pregame? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, there's a lot going on. Even just as a reporter, like you're walking. I, I must have walked, seriously, a, an average of like 10 to 15 miles a day, like just wow. walking in between events and everything else like that. Like it, it was tremendous. And, and, and the snow and the ice did not help. But that was my one gripe. What did you do? <laughs> I had my normal dress shoes because I wasn't expecting this weather. I talked to Tony East of Locked Up Pacers. He told me, oh, it'll be cold, but there'll be some flurries. It's like, brother, that is not flurries. You know, that was very, very different. So you there. had to wear no dress one... shoes through the snow? Yeah, I did. I, I did. Did yeah, they I, pave I, the sidewalks or did you did you ruin your dress shoes? Yeah, whatever. Who cares? You can always get more shoes. I didn't no, I biff guess. it. I didn't lose my balance. You know, Did so you bring a jacket? Were you? Oh, did you ha- I had a, a pea coat with me, so okay. I was okay. Uh, I left. I left my gloves because again, I wasn't expecting that. And my us Floridians, man, I don't. It's just like I was. So I was in New York with my wife for yeah, All Star Weekend because yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't want to go to these things. So I, I went to New York on a little mini vacation, and uh, my wife. It's it. So your snowstorm moved from Minneapolis to New York City <laughs> the next right. day, and we just woke up and everything was covered. My wife was walking yep. around in like her like these these booty things, and <laughs> within an hour, they were completely soaked through. We had to throw them out. They were they yeah. were done. We had to go buy boots like for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. we don't have these things as, as I, I, living in Miami. You know, other reporters who live up north are like, "Oh, quit complaining and stuff like that." It's like you you have no idea what you're talking about. We don't see snow. Like we don't even get cold. Like it was no. when I got in on Thursday afternoon. It was in the fifties. It's like there'd be girls in Uggs and parkas in oh Miami if this was yes. the weather. So like that, it's not it's comparable not even like at an, all. Un- I don't know what to do. I don't like when it snows, I go, I don't, I don't know what to do. I just shoveled snow for the first time in my life last year. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know. <laughs> my rental car came equipped with like this brush half, you know, and, and an ice pick. And I'm yeah. like, I looked at this brush. <laughs> Where in the I car. I'm like, what am I taking care of Nikola Jokic's horses here or something? I don't know what this brush is for. And then it gets, you know, then I might go outside after Saturday's events and my car is a, a block of ice 
with inches, inches of snow and ice formed on the windshields and everything else. I'm like, oh, okay, I know what to do with it now. I'm going to have to figure something out if I want to get back to my hotel. So it was a, it was a really interesting experience, but I had a lot of fun. It was, I mean, it's exhausting. So it, I don't want anybody to think that I'm being negative about the experience because no. it is exhausting, but it's also a lot of, uh, you know, just enjoyable to see players walking around, interacting with yeah. fans, the family atmosphere, uh, you know, so many people talking about the game and the love of the sport, and just you see basketball courts everywhere. There was one built specifically in the airport in, in Indianapolis, which mm. is really interesting. But aside from that, you just see courts all over, like in, in small areas, rural looking areas outside of Indianapolis. You see, you know, courts, the love of basketball, and the idea of who's your dumb and everything that it has entailed. Uh, you could see kind of manifest over the course of this weekend. So it was a really good experience. It's great to celebrate the sport, the game of basketball. Absolutely. You get a lot of different generations of players. But to your point yes. earlier, I just wish it was less. This generation is ruining basketball <laughs> and sure. ruining the all-star game. I just think yeah. it's fine. If it's if it's ruined, if it even if it is ruined, I think it's okay. Because there's no other all-star. Like the, the NFL Pro Bowl stinks. They literally had to move it in between the championship, the conference championship games. Please and the watch Super Bowl yeah. just to, Yeah, just to like say, don't forget about us, right? And then you couldn't right. get anybody that played in the Super Bowl to play in it. I think they replaced it with a flag football game. Like they're trying stuff. The only all-star game that matters is the baseball one because you have the home run contest. You have an all-star game that decides uh, home field and in the World Series and has stakes. And that is not something the NBA should do. That is absolutely not something. Like, like what are you going to do field. though? Nothing. Yeah. Just leave it. I mean, like, I mean, baseball inherently is a slower sport in terms of like, you know, just the actual physical play of the right. game itself. Like, what are you going to do? Pitch not as intensely. I'm only, I'm only going to throw a, a 70 right. mile per hour fastball as opposed That's to 93 true. mile. It per is hour still fastball. a great pitcher going up against a great batter. You can't just yeah. unless you start playing underhand. There's no, there's no way to change it. Yeah. So you're absolutely I'll, right. I'll half-ass my swing a little bit so that I right. won't try to hit it out of the that's park. The, like, and that's why do? people don't like baseball. It's just sort of a half-ass sport to begin with. It's always an all-star game for them. I, I won't guess. go that far. I won't go that far. But it's but like more, I'm, you know, as I'm wearing a Marlins hat. Yeah, as, in, in basketball, it's like you can you can take your foot off your guys. You cannot play defense. Yes. You know, and, and and the NFL Pro Bowl, you know, you're not going to try and tackle Nobody's somebody. Nobody wants to get off. hurt. Right. I heard the same thing after the Pro Bowl. Somebody's like, "Well, you're in the Pro Bowl, so just play." And it's just like, "No, these like, come on." These guys don't want to get hurt. These guys want the break yeah. in the middle. It's fine. Um, but some interesting things did happen during the All-Star weekend, specifically during the All-Star game. Bam Adebayo taking a three-pointer. Was this a sign of what might be what might be to come for Bam Adebayo going forward in his career? We'll talk about that next year on Locked on Heat. Today's episode is brought to you by Grammarly. No matter what kind of work you do, communication is going to be key, whether it's emails or reports or presentations or anything you've got going on that involves some kind of communication, Grammarly can help. Uh, Grammarly, again, as a writer, you know what it's like to be have to be able to form sentences, form ideas, structure a paragraph, structure a whole story. Grammarly can help with that. But even if it's just a PowerPoint presentation, again, you want to be able to be as concise as possible when you're using bullet points. Key notes and Grammarly can help kind of just tweak things so that it can really make it concise and make your presentations pop out if it's an email to a key client or maybe even you're asking for a job or a promotion then grammarly can help again there's so much that grammarly can do you can save time and you can make sure that your writing is better than ever grammarly is the gold standard of responsible ai with 14 years of experience and just about every it certification under the sun grammarly is a secure ai writing partner that helps your team make their point 
and move on faster. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up today and download for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said and done. Thanks for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Before we get to DeLon Wright, last thing on the All-Star game, during the game, Bam Adebayo inbounds the ball off of Nikola Jokic's back, grabs the ball, takes it up court by himself, takes and makes a three-pointer. And I think a couple of different levels of frustrations sort of bubbled out in that moment for Bam. So Bam sort of jokes after the game, somebody's got to tell my all-star teammates how to pass. And that was obviously not happening for him. And so... Uh, he just went and said, well, I'm not even going to bother inbounding it to one of my teammates. I'm going to inbound it off the opponent's backside, take the ball myself. I'm not passing to anybody on this possession. And then what happened on that possession? He decided to pull up for a three-pointer. That was his only score of the game, I believe, right? Yes, And so one of two game the 400 points, he scored three of them. And, but he, I think it <laughs> the was... The most a- bam game ever. Like, he was, like, trying to set screens, uh, you know, bringing the ball up court, et cetera. It's like... It's the all-star game. Like he's, he might be the only guy that's actually trying and wants it to be like Larry Bird said, more competitive. Uh, it just wasn't happening. What did you make of that though? Because after the game, he also was asked about the three-point shooting and he had this to say. Game like this, like all three-pointers go. You even made a three-pointer today. Like, what's, yeah, how, tell Spo, man, pull the clip up. Show yeah, Spo. I'm, I'm let- Show Spo. Tell Spo. Pull the clip up. And yeah. I think I'm pretty sure based on the questioning there, I don't know if you were in that scrum, David. He was talking to the Heat reporters when he kind of looks over to them. I was like, hey, show Spo, show Spo. He's like yeah. a little serious, I think. I know he's joking, yeah. but look, it's interesting that he said that, right? Isn't it? Because it, 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 I think there's always been a debate about does Bam not shoot threes because he's not confident mm-hmm. enough to take them? Or yeah. does he not take threes because Spo doesn't want him to take them? I think the argument that he's not confident to take them is dead after you did it on the all-star game. And I know the all-star game is not serious, but it's still a showcase in front of your most respected peers. And that's the one shot you're going to take instead of a dunk yeah. or something like that. I don't know. I, it sounds like he's got I, that I, confidence I, now. I disagree. I think it's, okay. I think it's really just about him kind of joking and being in the flow of like, you know, what everybody's, like, what did Damian Little put out like 33 pointers? Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think he just kind of was like, oh, let me kind of get loose a little bit and shoot something I don't normally do because I don't feel comfortable doing it. Because he's been telling me since 2019 that he wants Spo to let him off the leash and he wants other people to make that case for him to let him off the leash. Like, those are his terms. And it's like, nobody's putting you on that leash but yourself. Like, he's got that space. I don't think Eric Spolster is there at practice the next day or in film review going, why'd you shoot that? If he hits it, no one cares. And and so I think that's the whole thing is that he has to hit him. He has to hit him at a decent enough rate. Like, I don't think at any point Eric Spolstra, who famously and with a good, you know, good line of thinking, allowed Chris Bosch to stretch the floor and become a three-point shooter, a shooting center that kind of opened up everything for the NBA. And we've kind of conveniently forgotten that. I don't think he's ever going to put clamps or restrictions mm. on what Bam Adebayo can do offensively. So I don't think it's anything about Spo telling Bam, 
don't shoot this. I think one, it has to be the flow of the offense, as we've heard so many times before. But I think it's also a comfort level from Bam Adebayo. Like he does these things in summer, he does these things in workouts, but he doesn't. He even doesn't before the game. Like he shoots threes before the game. He just doesn't do it at the game because I think he's still not comfortable. And he has. He just has to do it more frequently to the point where it can become a legitimate threat and a legitimate weapon in his uh, repertoire. So that, that's what I make of it. I, I, I think it was a fun I, moment. I, I, it was a fun moment. Look, I don't think that that was Bam sending a message, put it that. But yeah. I do <laughs> I I think that Eric Spolster does and I I I don't want to say limit his players. I don't think that's it, but because Miami has such a hard time scoring points efficiently, everybody has to play a specific role just for yeah. Miami to hit some sort of like a specific watermark offensively. Like they just got to hit that a certain water level where hey, after that, then go ahead. But Bam has not taken in rhythm three pointers in the flow of the offense basically at all for most of his career. I went back and looked at all 11 of his three pointers this year. So it didn't take me that long, but I did. And only three, maybe four of them could qualify as in rhythm. So not a heave at the end of the quarter or something at the end of a shot clock just because you needed to get something up. Um, in rhythm, one of them was the first one was in the fir- third game of the season against the Minnesota Timberwolves. He stepped into one at the top of the arc. Uh, hit the back of the iron. The Which second makes one, sense again because you're going up against Rudy Gobert, though. Like that's who's that's playing like, and drop. Right. Yeah, and then you've got the same thing against Anthony Davis a few uh, like a week later against the Lakers. Right. His big game against the Lakers. Anthony Davis was playing and drop, and Bam was just like, "All right, I'm going to take it," and he switched it, and the bench lost its mind. And Eric Spolstra did not move. And Eric Spolstra doesn't really get phased by things unless it's like he has to challenge a play during the game. But yeah. it's. I'm, I'm just like the, the bench lost its mind. And I, and then he took one more and he missed it later in the season against, I think against Atlanta. And uh, yeah, it was against Atlanta. And then there's like a half one against Charlotte that he, it's yeah. sort of in rhythm, sort of not. Um, those are it. So you could say 33% if you only count the three, 25% if we're counting four, which is fine. I think that's okay. Like right around that area, he's never going to be Carl Anthony Towns in terms of a big man shooting threes. But if you can shoot him at a one third clip, and you can sprinkle in a few more of those a game. I think that would really help space the floor for him, for Jimmy Butler, keep the yeah. defense honest. I think it's the next step. I think the Heat are going to have to get there at some point. And whether or not, I think Bam and Eric Spolstra have to come together and figure out a way to get to that point. Now, I'll also say this. Bam and I didn't even have the mid-range shot a couple of years ago. It, this goes in steps, right? Literally almost baby steps. Like you go further and further away until you're comfortable taking those threes. But I also know that the Heat centers, Orlando Robinson, Thomas Bryant, Bam Adebayo, they all have a three-point shooting contest at the end of practices. Like, right. And it's all in sort of fun. So why, yeah, why does Orlando Robinson it? have the green light to shoot to threes? And why does Bam not? I, that's why I, I just think it's – like even Jimmy Butler. Like did Eric Spolstra put the clamps on him and tell him not to shoot to threes? It's like we all know what Jimmy's strengths are and you want to lean into those. But he's did not denying them anything. And, and so I just think – like if he feels like that's something that he's going to do more often, and if it, it has to come from Bam, it has to come from Bam. He has to go walking into Spo's office and be like, "Listen, I think I have to be able to make that change. I have to be able to space the floor because Jimmy's getting older, or because we need Jaime to attack the paint more, or because Tyler works almost exclusively for the mid range, or, or you know that's where he's most effective. Whatever the rationale wants to be, or what he wants yeah. to use, it has to come from Bam in order for him to say, "I'm going to be able to shoot the threes more." I, I would love him to like run like sets that put him more yeah. in a position. I know he handles the ball at the top of the floor, but he's scanning. He's looking for stuff. 
But that next level, maybe having whatever, just running pick and pop and, with and them or inverse, something like that a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, inverse with Duncan Robinson setting his screen yeah. and then Bam curling around and popping for the three. Like, he could do it. Yeah, he or just like it. you can lean into the Tyler Bam out of bio pick and roll. And every yeah. once in a while, Bam could be empowered. Again, I'm not saying it's a spoke fault, but somebody, the empowerment needs to come from some source of instead of rolling to the basket, if they're if they're blockading everything, if they're crashing into the paint, let me just pop and see what I could do. And it doesn't need to be all the time, but a couple of week, I think, would be fine. I really do. Just the start. Can you imagine Bam bringing the ball up court? Duncan and Tyler are already available on the floor, and they set an elevator screen. Like they, <laughs> they run elevator doors where Bam curls around and then picks up, uh, you know, picks his spot and winds up popping for three. Like, I can't see why that's something, you know, especially as creative and inventive a coach as Eric Spolster is. Like, I can't. See I think why you want Bam taking the standstill threes right now. I don't know that you want him necessarily on the move. I think the standstill is okay. <laughs> but, but what's yeah. he going to do in the middle? Of, is he going to take out Bam? Like, he can't take Bam out. Like, if Bam, that's why I'm saying, I, the more I think about it and the more we're talking about it, it's like, I know it's on Bam that he doesn't shoot to threes. Because if Bam took that three and, and just clanked it badly, which I don't think he will because, again, he's got the stroke, he's got the range. If he just took a bad shot, what is Eric Spolster going to do in the middle of the game? Is he going to dress him down? Is he going to yell no, at him on the sideline? So. I just don't but think, I think that part there of it too is Bam, things. as the captain of the team, has to play the role, right? He has to star in his role, and I think that's part of it. Where okay. it's like, yeah, I'm sort of the guy that does this, and also in Miami's offense, like they do invert a lot of their offense already with Bam in the low post where he's playmaking. Sure. So he's not always out. He's not out there the way he was in like 2021, dribble handoff every other possession, right? It, it, <laughs> yeah. They're running less dribble handoffs. They've kind of moved things inside out as opposed to outside in the way it was before. And so he just sort of is naturally not in those positions as much as he used to be, but he's in those positions enough. And that's why I went back to that pick and roll. That's mostly where he's in those positions, right in the middle of the floor where he apparently likes to take those threes. He likes the straight on ones. Almost every one of that I saw were the straight on threes from the middle of the court. So I I don't know. I think we'll start seeing. And by the way, we have started to see a little bit more. He had zero in rhythm threes last season and he only took 12 all season long with 30 games left, whatever it is, 27 games left. He's taken 11 three pointers this year. And much more, you know, three or four of them in the rhythm of the offense, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a lot for Bam. So maybe it is sort of baby steps into that direction. Um, All right, let's move on. We're going to talk about Miami's newest addition, DeLon Wright. What can he bring to the Miami Heat? What can we expect from DeLon Wright uh, as he heads to Miami? We'll talk about that here on Locked on Heat. Today's episode is brought to you by Nissan Motors. Are you the kind of driver that likes to push things a little further? If you ever wonder what adventure could be around the next corner, well, our friends at Nissan have a lineup of SUVs with the capabilities to take your adventure to the next level. There's a 2024 Nissan Rogue. As a driver of one myself, I can tell you it's perfect for city drives and great escapes. I wish I had it with me in Indianapolis. I'll tell you that much. It's class exclusive. Google built in is always there helping you update uh, for anything that you've got going on. It can keep everything that you need all in one place. Gone are the days of connecting your phone. Google Assistant, Google Maps, and Google Play and Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system. The 2024 Rogue is perfect mid-size crossover for your next adventure, but there's also the Nissan Pathfinder. It's a little bit bigger. It's a little bit roomier. It can fit up to eight, and it has 6,000 pounds of towing of capability. When an adventure is calling you into the next, whatever that might be, 
And you also got the 2024 Nissan Armada. That's the biggest of the class there. It's a full-size SUV, a rugged 4x4 that could seat up to eight in first-class luxury and style. It's a great, great uh, arsenal of cars. You can't go wrong with any of those choices right there. So take the Nissan Rogue Pathfinder or Nissan Armada and go find your next big adventures. Go shop at NissanUSA.com. Thanks for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and your favorite podcast app. The Heat have officially signed DeLon Wright to add some depth with Terry Rozier and Josh Richardson out. Wright was brought, uh, he was bought out by the Washington Wizards. He wasn't playing much uh, as they are sort of rebuilding and going younger. Hmm. DeLon Wright again. is 31 years old again. Uh, what do you make of the DeLon Wright addition? I think it's excellent. I think it's a, a great decision. I think it's so in line with what Miami has historically done with these kind of buyout candidates. He's an older player. He's got playoff experience with Toronto, with Dallas, uh, with Atlanta. He was, I think he might have outplayed Trey Young in that series uh, with the Hawks mm. versus Miami. You know, that's something that a lot of people have, have remembered how badly Trey Young played, but they forgot how well DeLon Wright played. Uh, he shot over 50% from the floor. He shot well from three, about almost 40%. And I think as what Miami needs him to be this season, he can be an excellent contributor. And I don't know if he's going to start. He might have that opportunity, but it all depends on the health of Terry Rozier and Josh Richardson once they come back from injury. But I think as a point of attack defender, a guy who can create turnovers, a, a such a significant factor in Miami's offense, especially when it struggles. We've talked about this all season. We've talked about this for multiple seasons. Their offense being ignited by their defense, something that Eric Spolster harps on so much. With DeLon Wright, that's going to lead to easy points on every opportunity because he forces turnovers. And from there, it's a Bama to Bio fast break, a Tyler Hero fast break, an opportunity for Jimmy Butler to dive in. Or if he's you know still down court as he slowly works his way up, it's a cherry pick basket for him where he can finish it off with an easy two point bunk. You know, there's just so many good things that can manifest from the way that DeLon plays defense. So I'm excited about the opportunity. I think it's a great fit. Obviously, you know, you get the second Wright brother, which is a cool little story yes. in Miami Heat history. Um, yeah, his, I, his brother Darrell tweeting out hashtag Heat culture right after the, the signing was announced. Like, that's that's how important yeah. it is. Like, Darrell yeah. Wright drafted as a high schooler, yeah. teammates with Dwayne Wade, a champion in 2006. Like, he's always been a guy. Delon Wright was part of the jersey swap during yes. Dwayne Wade's last dance. Like, there's yes. there's been a connection here, just like the Terry Rozier connection was. And if you think back to earlier in this, like, before the season started, when the season started, Miami's point guard rotation, the point guard room was Kyle Lowry and Drew Smith, with Josh Richardson yeah. sort of shoehorning himself in there every once in a while. Um, now you've gone from Lowry and Smith to Terry Rozier and Delon Wright. I don't think that there's any doubt that that's an upgrade in terms of what those players can provide you right now. Um, and they've done a good job. They've, they've only lost one first-round pick and no other real assets outside of that, the Kyle Lowry contract being really the only other thing being sent out. And I think you got an upgrade there. DeLon Wright, look, the Wizards stunk this year. I don't think it was DeLon Wright's fault, but he also wasn't the solution either. It, it's right. been a little bit of a down year for him, but he was coming off of a strong season last year where he shot 47% overall. Um, you know, had gets the assist. I think that point of attack defense is still there. And I've actually, when I was watching Wizards games this year, DeLon Wright was always sort of in the back of my mind. We always talked about him as a potential buyout guy in the first place. Yes. So that he did get bought out with the obviously inclination that he's going to end up being uh, on the Miami Heat. That that was sort of, you know, 
figured out. Uh, and I was sort of watching DeLon Wright. I was like, is that point of attack defense still there at, at his age? I'm, yeah, it's still there. I, I think he can fight over screens. He could do stuff defensively. He does get steals to your point and things like that. But he's also he's a free he's a bought out guy. He's a free agent. I, I think we got to keep expectations low and not just assume that this guy is going to be some sort of game changing talent. But his most important thing that he can provide the Heat right now is a just a, a warm body to handle the basketball with Terry Rozier and Josh Richardson out. That, that's important. I think he could start and you move Duncan Robinson back to the bench and you're able to kind of get back to those rotations that you had um, before all these injuries happened again. And you can have him and Tyler Hero start, and, and then defensively that gives you something a little bit, a little bit more oomph in that starting lineup than than what Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson give you. But we'll see. Um, he takes care of the ball. He does yep. not turn the ball over very much, and yep. he's not like a drive and kick. Let me create a bunch of stuff. But he's a cog in the offense. He's a willing ball mover. He knows where he's very smart. He knows where the ball has to go. He's able to get those entry passes down low. Like he, he's just a smart ball mover. And as somebody who's not going to turn the ball over and short-circuit Miami's offense. He can make an open three-pointer. He's like a 35% career three-point shooter. He's had years of almost 40%. He's had years a little bit less than 35%. He can make the open ones. And then defensively, if he could give you some point-of-attack friction, I think that's going to be really important. So, yeah, he's not going to be a guy who suddenly just changes everything that Miami's doing. But with these injuries, he's vitally important. And then if he plays well in in Terry Rozier and Josh Richardson's absence, they're going to be out probably for a couple more weeks at least, each of them. But he can work himself into the rotation if he if he plays well over these next couple of weeks. And even if he doesn't, David, it's fine because he's insurance in case there's another injury to the backcourt. No, yeah, I I think there's no negative to it. You know, no. uh, we, we've heard fans asking, well, why not give a shot to John Wall or somebody else like that? This is such a, a more improved choice for Miami because he's the guy who's been playing regularly. Again, he has recent playoff experience. We know what he's capable of, and he fits right in because he doesn't need the ball because he's not mm-hmm. trying to gonna, he's not going to force things offensively, and he's going to be such a great asset defensively as well. So I might be a little higher on it than you are, but I still think of whatever Miami's playoff path might be, and it still remains unclear with so many games left and injury always hovering above everything. But you're going up against potentially, you know, Jalen Brunson. Dame Lillard, right. Drew Holiday, et cetera. Like all these guards in the Eastern Conference, Donovan Mitchell. Like, Well, Gary even on Carlin. the schedule coming up, yeah. Like with all these injuries, you're playing CJ McCollum in New Orleans. You get De'Aaron yep. Fox in Sacramento, Anthony yep. Simons in Portland, Jamal Murray in Denver. You're playing mm-hmm. – like those are your next four games. DeLon Wright is going to be asked – it's like, hey, go defend some of the best guards in the league. Good luck. Right. Like those are the, some of the Figure best out, guards yeah. in the league. Yeah. And But the good thing is, to your point too, he's been playing. DeLon Wright yeah. has been playing, which is why I kind of mentioned a warm body. John Wall is not a warm body right now. He ain't been playing. And to your point, he's also going to be trying to find his fit. DeLon Wright knows exactly what he's going to do. And what's so important with these buyout guys, just like Kevin Love last year, culturally are they a fit? Can they walk into that locker room yep. and just fit? And I don't. there was no doubt about it with Kevin Love last year. There's no doubt about it right now with DeLon Wright either. So it's a good fit um, on all fronts. And uh, we'll be excited to see what he provides. Miami's next game is Friday night, but we will be back with you tomorrow but for now thanks for making locked on heat your first listen every day hit that subscribe button on youtube follow us on your favorite podcast app also locked on has launched the first ever national sports 24 7 streaming channel on youtube locked on sports today is here for you 24 7 covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of locked on plus our national shows covering every league go to locked on sports today on youtube subscribe to the first ever national sports 24 7 streaming channel